I don't know what happened, but something came over me and has not left me yet. Uh, I have just been in such an excitement. I've been telling my wife all the time, I said, God, man, God is going to do something major this year. Hallelujah. I'm just excited. I've been talking to my brother, Pastor Josh, about it. I've been texting, you know, I was like crazy, messaging him. I mean, I've been out laying in bed and just been here, God, all night long. Wake up in the morning. We've just been talking, having a good time. Amen. So I want you to know uh, that we want God's best for our lives. The book of Titus chapter 1. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Book of Titus chapter 1, verse uh, number 1 through 3. And it's not going to take me long to get where I need to go, uh, but I am going to get there. Amen. Amen. Check the drop. Amen. Glory to God. Uh, Titus, <laughs> thank God for technology. Titus chapter number 1, I'll tell you when. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Come on, Holy Ghost. Something's getting ready to happen up in here today. Titus chapter 1, verses 1, two, one through 3. And if I let loose a little bit, uh, you just lean over and, 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 and uh, let mama help me, okay? I'll see which, which way I go. All right. Here begins the reading <laughs> of God's holy and eternal word. And uh, we started something last week called a season of reintroduction, and that was powerful. Uh, and God's given me something else to take it a step further this morning. All right, here begins the reading of God's holy word. Okay, here we go. Uh, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. Now, I want you to look at the next verse. In the hope of eternal life. Which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And which now, at his appointed season, he has brought to light through the preaching. <laughs> not the pep talk. Through the preaching. Not a TED talk. Through the preaching. Not a motivational speech. Through the preaching, through the preaching, uh-huh, entrusted to me by the command of God, our Savior. Through the preaching that was entrusted to me, through the command of God, our Savior. Father, I thank you. Lord, disturb us in Jesus' name. Amen. Started last week dealing with this series, Order in the House, and I'm moving a little bit differently because it's a different season that we're in, uh, and so I'm, I'm in a series in the series looking at what we started last Sunday and on New Year's Eve. So if you have not heard it, we have it on the podcast, we have it on all of our platforms, you can hear the word, stay connected. If you are connected to this house, stay connected. Amen. I want to talk to us this morning from the subject last week. We laid a foundation on uh, uh, the season of reintroduction. And today I want to talk about a recovery of reverence. A recovery of reverence. And last Sunday we dealt with a season of reintroduction changing how we see God. And so today I want to talk about a recovery of reverence. Colon, changing how we see God. 
If we're going to really get to where God's calling us to be, we've got to be the ones to change. Amen. A recovery of reverence. January, historically for global, has really been unofficially prophetic month. Where we look at what God is saying again. Where we look at what God is saying for the rest of the year and what he's speaking into and through our lives. And so I want to look at this and I want to deal with this because uh, uh, Eugene Peterson said something. A tremendous man of God who went on to be with the Lord about two years ago. Uh, I've read plenty of his books. Uh, he was a tremendous person that God used. And he said this line, and I want to use this line to begin uh, our foundation for where we are this morning. And Eugene Peterson said, waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal to act before God acts. Waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal to act before God acts. Waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal to act before God acts. If we're going to navigate this season wisely and well, we're going to have to wait a while. Notice what he says. Waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal. Waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal. I want to understand this. Waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal. And this is a picture, prophetically, of where we are right now. I can already tell I'm not going to get to everything I need to cover this morning. This is a time that will be marked by discipline. A disciple is a disciplined one. When you look at the word disciple, and this original connotation in the Greek, the word disciple, methetes is fine. Methetes in the Greek uh, literally means uh, a, a pupil, an apprentice, a learner. So a disciple is a disciplined one. To be a disciple means you must be disciplined. So this is going to be a year in which we have to become more disciplined. We have to become more disciplined. A disciple is a disciplined one. And then notice he says waiting is a disciplined refusal. Refusal. Uh, this is also going to be a time marked by personal denial. To reject what we think is best and to receive God's best for our lives. That's why we're declaring we're going to keep saying this on a regular basis. We want God's what? Best. For our lives. We want God's best for our lives. We want God's best for our lives. So prayer is, waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal. Waiting in prayer is a disciplined refusal. A time of personal denial. Now when it comes to this, last week we started on this journey uh, looking at a season of reintroduction. Glory to God. Changing how we see God. And I want us to look at this because there were some guiding things we dealt with that I want to reevaluate. Bless you, Brother Horace, that we, we want to reevaluate. First of all, uh, Isaiah 43 and 19 says, Behold, I will do a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. It shall spring forth. So a new thing is a prepared thing whose time has come. 
<laughs> a new thing is a prepared thing whose time has come. I'm bubbling over this morning. And so God is continuing to prepare us for what he has for us. God is continuing to prepare me for what he has for me. Okay? So God is not so much calling for something to come on me, but rather something to come out of me. And that's one thing I love about uh, that Archbishop said on Friday in our dialogue together, that we can't look at this time period simply, if you remember, simply as a plague. I'm telling you, I need you to re-listen to it. But we have to look at this as a season of purification. God is purifying us, cleansing us, shifting us, bringing us into a greater understanding of who he is and who we are in him. Can you say amen or type it? Glory to God. And so notice here is a season of reintroduction calling us to walk into a new place. And I already said to you that there's four P's that we're going to need to navigate 2022 and beyond. If we're going to navigate this new year, this new time that we find ourselves in, first of all, we've got to be prayerful. We've got to be prayerful. Secondly, we've got to be positive. We've got to be positive. Negativity is a cancer. Yes, it is. Negativity is a cancer. You get you get with a, a room full of negative folks, and your faith will go right to eat. You won't even believe. You won't even believe that you can get out the room. I promise you. Amen. Negativity is a cancer. Be positive. Hallelujah. Be positive. Be positive. Hallelujah. Uh, and also uh, be persevering and being productive. So as we're launching into this, order is the correct arrangement of things. And while the world is in disorder and chaos, God's house must be a house of order, excellence, and execution. Let's jump in this thing. So we look at the book of Titus, and Titus teaches us both doctrine, right thinking, and devotion, right living. Both doctrine, right thinking, and devotion, right living. And last week, as I reiterated, uh, it was Dr. Henry Nowood who said, you don't think your way into a new kind of living. You live your way in a new kind of thinking. You don't think your way into a new kind of living. You live your way into a new kind of thinking. So 2022 is an opportunity for us to live our way into a new kind of thinking. How does that happen? By a spirit of excellence. By a spirit of excellence. Also, number two, by raising our expectation. Believing God against all odds. Believing God for the impossible. Believing God and taking God at his word. We've got to move. And, and see, one thing when I talk about faith, and I got some of my... And our own ministry love when I talk about faith. When I talk about faith, uh, you, you've got to come to a place of expectation. Even if what you're believing for is no sign it can happen. You've got to have an expectation to trust God in the midst of what's there, what looks impossible. Have an expectation of moving and taking a leap of faith. And so notice here, excellence, expectation, and then thirdly, this will be a time marked by expansion. Marked by expansion. And as we journey 
Through the book of Titus, there are several things that we see. Uh, but notice the pattern. Talking about changing how we see God. Changing how we come to understand who God is. And there are several ways that that begins to take root in our lives. And I want you to hear me. Uh, because when it comes to reintroductions, when it comes to coming into a greater understanding of who God really is, once we have that reintroduction, then we have to recover that sense of reverence. Worship, when we worship God, worship, uh, a worship, when we worship God, we ascribe worth to God. So whatever we worship, we are giving worth. Whatever we give more worth to, whatever we ascribe worth to, we are worshiping. And so when it comes to understanding this, worship then, the key to really understanding worship, now this down here, the key to really understanding worship is reverence, intimacy, and awe. The key to understanding worship, hallelujah, is reverence, reverencing God. Our worship has to be Godward. Our worship is not simply horizontal, even though we are corporately gathered together, but it is a vertical relationship between us and God. So worship is not just reverence, it is also intimacy. It is coming into a greater understanding of who God is, and that leaves us in a state of awe. Whenever God really answers your prayer, you're in awe of it. Yeah. When God really turns something around, you, you look back and you say, I can't believe it. I remember when uh, one of my own had a testimony and owed some money for school and, and it all got wiped off. And he looked, looked at me and said, Bishop, I don't understand. I can't explain it. When God does something, the English language becomes paralyzed to begin to describe how God did it. You really don't have much to uh, explain. You don't even have much to communicate. All you can do is point up and say, if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? And I'm prophesying to somebody this morning, you're going to have an encounter with God in this year that you are going to be left in reverence, in intimacy, and in awe of God in which your mouth will be dropped down to the floor and you can't look at anybody else to give credit to except God himself. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And he says here, glory to God, <clears throat> intimacy shapes our identity. Yes. <clears throat> when you are intimate with God, your identity is shaped by him. When you know who he is, you begin to discover yourself. So our intimacy shapes our identity, but your identity in Christ then determines your influence. So intimacy shapes our identity. But then, notice the principle, then our identity determines our influence. Once you know who you are in God, he will fashion and shape your voice where you are to a specific context of people. That's so why I tell people all the time, some group of students the other day, uh, uh, this 
principal when I was teaching the other day to some students, and I was explaining to them that the, the context shapes the content. The context shapes the content. What do you mean by that? The environment, the setting, the people around you, all of your context shapes the content. Whenever you meet someone, you're meeting everything that shapes that person. You're meeting everything in that environment. You're meeting everything that's interconnected. And so when we live our lives by the word of God, I see you, Sister Chelsea, pull it on me. When we live our lives by the word of God, the context, his word, shapes the content. So when I live my life, I live by the word of God, I understand that even when lack is in front of me, there shall still be no lack because he said he'll provide my need. And so we have to learn how to live by the context of the word of God to shape the content of our lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? And so coming into a greater understanding of what God says and where he's calling us to be and what he's calling us to do in these last and evil days. And so whenever we chase influence without identity, it leads to insecurity. I'm almost ready to be. Whenever we chase influence without our identity in Christ, it leads to insecurity. Then that insecurity leads to insignificance. I'm going to say it again. Whenever we chase influence without our identity in Christ, it leads to insecurity. Okay? And then that insecurity leads to insignificance. This is why anytime, watch this, you are connected to anyone that is insecure, they are not clear in who they are in God. Say it again. Anytime you are connected to anyone that's insecure, they are not clear in who they are in God. Why? Competition and comparison are signs of confusion. Competition, are you hearing me this morning? And comparison are signs of confusion. If all you are doing is comparing yourself by yourself, you are eliminating the fruitfulness of what God wants to do in you because you are a designer's original. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so we have to learn this morning who we are in Jesus. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Facebook, no. To be happy on Snap, no. To be happy on TikTok, no. To be happy on social media, no. To be happy in YouTube, no. To be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. We don't think Jesus is enough. We don't think Jesus is enough. Bishop, why are you going so hard? Because it's a new year. If you're going to go hard, go hard at the beginning of the year. We don't think Jesus is enough. So we have to look for drugs. We have to look for this. We have to look for hookah. We have to look for that. We got to look for all these other things to supplement. I'm preaching the gospel this morning. To supplement all of the stuff that we are dealing with. And as a result, we are depressed and we are frustrated and we are anxious and we are angry and we are furious and we try to cope with it. You cannot cope with something that needs to be cast out. And I want you to hear me because many of you that's been insomnia and there's been all kinds of attacks 
on your mind. But while I'm preaching to you today, the Spirit of God is going to be a scapel off of your mind. And I command in the name of Jesus, depression to lift up off of you. I command in the name of Jesus, suicide to lift up off of you. I know we're in a pandemic and can't lay hands, but I'm going to sound my voice right now. The Spirit of God is going to lay hands on you and set you free. Glory to God. I'm talking about the power of the Holy Ghost. The sure enough power of the Holy Ghost. I ain't talking about no play power of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about demon busted power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory. I feel my help now. Glory to God. I'm telling you this year. God's going to lift some stuff off of you this year. I'm telling you this year, you're not going to accept it. You're going to literally bump into miracles. I'm telling you this year, there are going to be some doors that open up that you didn't even know could open up because of how great God is. Thank you, Jesus. Let us hear what I'm saying in here this morning. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, God. And so he says here, <laughs> he says here, God is mentioned five times in these four verses. First of all, we understand. I went over this last week. We went on, we, we, we went dealt with this last week. Glory to God. I need to move. Uh, uh, first of all, we understand that God is preeminent. Yes. Secondly, uh, uh, the, the text teaches us that God has a people. Uh, the Bible says, Titus, verse number one and two, according to the faith of God's elect. Who is God's elect? God's elect are the people of God. Every promise is not for everybody. He's looking for a people to clothe himself with. Which means without the presence of God, brother, I will, we're naked. Uh, uh, why? When, 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 when God walks to Adam in the cool of the day and he says, Adam, <laughs> come on, Holy Ghost, where are you? He said, Lord, I hit because I was naked. God looked at Adam and said, who are you? Who told you that you were naked? And he began to come into understanding of that. Why? Because before the fall, there was no nakedness. Because they were to be clothed in his righteousness. So even in the new covenant, when we come before him naked in our sin, we began to get clothed in Christ. And that's why whenever I stand before the throne to pray, he does not see me in my sinful state. He does not see me in whatever place I was in. But when I echo the password, Jesus, he looks over my sin. He looks over everything around me and he sees his son on me. That is what we believe. The Bible calls it an imputed righteousness. It's not how good I am. It's not how good you are. It's how great God is. Glory to God. The Bible says, uh, verse number two and three, it says, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, I'm not even going to touch that, because I'll be there all, God who cannot lie, cannot lie, cannot lie, cannot lie, cannot lie, promised before the world began. And thirdly, that means, that means God keeps his promises. But I want to shift gears to one more. 
verse number three. This is an obscure passage of scripture because we don't really see it and, and, and you, we, we hardly ever hear it preached or taught. And I want to look at it. Uh, verse number three says, but he hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. I want to deal with this and be closing with this. He has, I will put it back up for me, verse 3. He has manifested his word, if we can, through preaching. He has manifested his word through preaching, which has been committed unto me according to the commandment of our Savior. He has manifested his word through preaching. <laughs> a recovery of reverence. Huh? It's, it's about to get there. Come here, we're going to step deeper. Uh, uh, Paul knew that preaching is the way that God's eternal word meets people today. Paul knew that preaching is the way that God's people meet God today. Preaching, we'll say it again, is the way that God's eternal word meets people today. Preaching, 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 preaching is the way that God's eternal word meets people today. And today we have devalued preaching. Yes. yes. Come on. Preaching of the word is the way God's word is made evident. Preaching is the way God's word is made manifest. Preaching is the way that God's word is released over your life. One word from God can change everything around you. And today we have devalued preaching. In fact, so much so that preachers don't want to be preachers. Preachers want to be celebrity chasers. Preachers want to be cloud pushers. Preachers yes. want to be everything else than a preacher. Because if you're going to preach, people sometimes won't like you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. hear what I'm saying this morning. Better hear what I'm saying this morning. Hallelujah. And so, coming to an understanding, and here's where I want to land. I believe if there's going to be a recovery of reverence, yes, Lord. there must be a recovery of preaching. Yes. If there's going to be a recovery of reverence for the word of God, there must be a recovery of preaching. Yes. And today preaching has been replaced. Preaching today has been replaced by pep talks, popularity contests, political ideologies, Motivational speeches, other forms of entertainment. Yes. And that is why there is not much conversion. Woo. Preaching. If we're going to have a recovery of reverence, there must be a recovery of the revelation of the word of God. Yes. And we have replaced it with pep talks. We've replaced it with popularity. We've replaced it with politics. We've replaced it with speeches. We've replaced it with entertainment. And that's why people are not getting saved. They're not getting saved because they're not hearing anything that tells them their life has to change. Preach, Bishop. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Wow. Your life must change when you come 
to see Jesus. Your life must change. I came to Jesus just as I was. I have to turn my life over to him. Well, I was born that way. And you must be born again. Glory to God. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? You must be born again. Hallelujah. And God said to me the other day, I was sitting with my wife in the room with my daughter. I was sitting there and the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, bring my people back to holiness. Hallelujah. I said, what? He said, bring my people back to holiness. He said, I didn't call you to be popular. I called you to open your mouth and prophesy. He says here, we're entertaining rather than equipping. Having fun instead of being focused. We want to be coddled and not convicted. Sin has been replaced and sanctification has been erased. Our love affair with the world has made us at enmity with God. There must be a recovery of reverence. Hallelujah, Jesus. Recovery of preaching that is true, that is transformative, that is transcendent. Let's return to being in awe of God again. Yes. Return to being in awe of God again. Let's return to being all of God again. Yes, yes, yes. Conversion can only come through biblical preaching. Yes. Not what's trendy. Not what's popular. Not what's fashionable. Romans 10 14. I close the description. How can they, how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they believe? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Lord, who has believed our report? Paul says in verse 17, so then faith, Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The late and great, Dr. Frederick Casey Price would say, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing, and hearing,
virtual games of killing all day long. Why are we surprised when we get a real gun? Amen. Eventually, what's being simulated is going to what to be demonstrated. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because they don't understand. Teach them. Tell the truth. So we've got to understand what God is saying. Have mercy, Jesus. Hallelujah. The apostolic preaching of the cross is a threat to the status quo. Preaching of the gospel brings conviction and long-standing life change. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And it was fashionable, but now it's starting to become out of season. Rebuke and encourage with great patience. Careful instruction. First Corinthians 2, I did not come with eloquence of human wisdom. I resolved to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on the power of God. We need the power of God. Yes, we do. A recovery of reference. Lay your hand on your heart. Lay your hand on your heart. Lay your hand on your heart. This is a old-fashioned altar call message. Make an altar right at your heart. Father, I ask that you would do a work in me. Do a work in me. Do a work through me. Work on us, Lord. Work on our hearts. Work on our minds. Work on our attitudes. Work on every area of our lives. Oh, God, clean up everything that's not like you in our lives. Creating us a clean heart and renewing us the right spirit. Father, I ask under the sound of my voice today we stop making excuses for sin. And we repent and call it what it is. And ask that you would deliver us. Deliver us. While I preach this word today, deliver us. In the name of Jesus, I command every spirit, every demonic stronghold that tries to hold you captive to a vice, to vices to be broken now. In the name of Jesus, come on and to the fullness, the fullness of the promises of God. Lord, I've done what you told me to do. I said what you told me to say. Now I confirm this word besides and love this father. Thank you for what you're doing and what you're continuing to do. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. If you're not saved today, out of the ark of safety, and don't know the Lord Jesus Christ in the part of your sin, I bid you to come. Come to know the Lord, the living God, the creator of heaven and earth. We offer Christ to you today. He died 2,000 years ago for your sins. All he asks for you to do to confess your sin and believe in faith that Jesus was raised from the dead and no matter how dead everything around you will be you will come to life it's just like what two thousand years ago the rose that grew from concrete is the same way God's going to pull you up out of the muck and the mire into the fullness of what he desires to do in your life we offer Christ to you today we offer Christ to you all you have to do if you've confessed that you believe it in your heart, you can go to our website, lobefinal.com, reach out to us, DM us, let us know, and we will walk with you. 
Oh my God, so we should sing a song, Walk With Me, Lord. Walk with me. All I want is tears, church. I need Jesus to walk with me. Hold my hand, Lord, hold my hand. <laughs> I need Jesus to hold my hand. We need him to hold our hands. We need him to walk with us, to guide us, and to lead us into all righteousness. In the name of the Lord. Again, as we close our service out this morning, there will be no TNT this Tuesday night. Uh, we will resume that the following Sunday, uh, the following week. I want you to meditate on what I've preached today. This word was tremendous and even what was released on Friday night. I'm going to give you an opportunity again if you have not to sow into the kingdom of God again. To sow into the kingdom of God again if you have not. If you have not. And if you've been blessed and you want to flow in even more, that's fine. Again, you can cash out dollar sign Global Fire now. You can text the word Global to 51400. You can sell your offering unto the Lord. And you can also go to our website as well. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for those who have sown in this service. I thank you for faith and obedience. I thank you for recovery of reverence. That we take your word serious. That we don't fall prey to cosmetic, superficial Christianity but that we really live for you. That we live for you every day. That we don't 